Let's say that tonight or today, I write you a check for $1,000. It's a check that I sign. It's a check that's in your name. It's a gift, and I give it to you. And you might be thinking, wow, that's pretty awesome. There's some things that I've been needing to buy. I need to get this. I need to get that. Or maybe I could give it to this person because they're in need. I could be generous with it or a portion of it. So I give you this check. You walk out of here. And Monday comes when the bank reopens. And you let that check sit on your dresser. Into Tuesday, into Wednesday, into weeks, and into months, and into years. And a $1,000 check is absolutely useless to you because you did not deposit it into your bank. You did not cash it. Now that's what you need to keep in mind when you hear a sermon or when you're, when you're being taught the Word of God by a friend, by someone who's, a, who's discipling you. They can give you the truth, they can break it open, they can put that into your mind, but if you don't make that deposit by the grace of God, it's not going to do very much good for you. So I'm going to preach a sermon that is going to have a lot of weighty truth to it, a lot of what we call doctrine to it. And some of you might be recoiling already and going, oh my goodness, I need to catch up on my sleep, good thing I came to church tonight. No, don't do that. Deposit it. Let it be cashed. And let's learn together as we embark on this journey called ghost sightings and seeing the Spirit of God in action today. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Spirit of God. And I think what we're going to learn could be life transforming. And I think what we're going to study today is, to me, the perfect beginning for this summer's adventure in the Word of God. So what do you think about when you contemplate God, the Holy Spirit? Now what comes to mind, something is going on in your head. If you're actually engaged with me right now, and you're listening, and I asked you that question, something is starting to go into motion. What do you think about when you contemplate God, the Holy Spirit? Now do you, power, okay, do you envision a bodiless energy, or do you see a shimmering a cloud with sparkling motes of gold, as one preacher says, appears in his sanctuary during their worship. What do you think of? What do you think of or think about when you contemplate the Holy Spirit? Now, here we go. We're in our passage. I hope you've got your Bibles open. We're in John chapter 16. Let's jump into it. Let me read it. And I want you to notice all of the personal pronouns. Because they're all referring to the Spirit of God. So here we go. When the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Are you ready? Some of you are already drifting. Don't let your minds do it. You can control that. Take them captive by the power of God. When the Spirit comes, He, that's a personal pronoun, will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears... He will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what comes to your mind when you contemplate the Spirit of God? Now listen, here's what ought to come to your mind, at least in the beginning. He is a person. 
He has personality. He has an intellect. No one, 1 Corinthians 2, comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He can comprehend. He can know. He has intelligence. He has the power of sovereign choice and decision, Acts 16. And they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. He forbade them. He has a will. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Listen, the Spirit of God teaches us. He empowers us. He corrects us. He loves us. He commands us. He gifts us. Now, have you, have you attributed all of that to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Spirit? You can resist him, Christian brother and sister. You can lie to him. You can blaspheme him or yield to him, walk with him, enjoy him. He gives spiritual life. He joins Christians to Christ. He seals them into God's promises of blessings. I mean, this is all of what needs to begin to come to your mind when you contemplate the Holy Spirit. He comforts us. He heals us. He encourages us. He empowers us. He fills our hearts with right desires. He gives us assurance that we're the sons and daughters of God. He gives us endurance in our faith. He gives churches unity. He restrains evil in this world. He brings conviction of sin. He's the God of action. Listen, whenever you see the Spirit of God in the Bible, He's doing something. He's in verb form. He's the action God. Well, this summer, our aim is to look for these Holy Ghost sightings and learn to see the Spirit of God in action today. I want you to hear this. Are you ready? And this has got to hold into your mind. Here, uh, here's what I encourage you to do. We used to be tent campers. Well, not tent campers. We used to be pop-up campers. All right, that's a big difference. I understand. Tent campers for sissies. So we used to be, man, nobody's even engaging in this. Y'all alive? We used to have a pop-up camper. Now we've got a 31-foot trailer camper. It's even less manly, I know. But we used to be pop-up campers, and you got to stake your awning to the ground. And so you drive in these stank stakes, and you tie the strings or the ropes to them. This is what you do when you, when you hear preaching. This is what you do when you're studying the Word of God. When God impresses on you something that you need to hold into your mind, you've got to drive it into your mind and stake it into the bedrock of God's truth. So here's one, I think, worth staking. One person said that the Bible shows that the work of God is Trinitarian in every dimension. And I'm going to say it again. Don't be afraid of that word Trinitarian, the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The works of God are Trinitarian in every dimension. In other words, this is what he's saying. God the Father never does anything without the Son and the Holy Spirit with him. The Son never did anything without obeying the will of the Father who sent him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit never does anything that the Son has not accomplished in the cross that the Father did not ask him to do. The triune God is involved in every one of his actions. Let me bring that a little more personal. Boy, those fans have got to come off. 
You know why those fans got to come off Sunday morning? You're hearing it. You're going to see it. The screen waves, and you actually could get sick watching that screen waving behind me. So we're going to get those fans off. Let me show you how God, the triune God is involved. Now listen, this is very, very personal. Christian brother and sister, you got to grab this. You ready? I'm going to speak to you personally. God the Father willed and determined that you should be saved. Predestined you. He elected you. Now listen, don't be afraid of those words. They're thoroughly biblical. He willed and he determined that you should be saved. The Son of God said, I will bring it about. I will accomplish it. I will do it through my cross. And the Spirit of God said, I will apply what Jesus did on the cross to the one that the Father wills to be saved. Do you see the triune God in action even in your salvation? See, too often we think of being saved as the work of Christ. Well, it's certainly the work that Christ accomplished at the will of the Father, but applied by the Spirit of God. The Father wills our salvation. The Son accomplishes all that is necessary for it. And friends, listen, the Holy Spirit applies it. So here we go, John chapter 16. We're going to dig into this. He is hours from his crucifixion. This is the evening before he is crucified. They are up in the upper room in that home in Jerusalem. And Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit of truth was soon to come to them. You see, at this point, the theology, the understanding of the Spirit of God, listen, it wasn't really that well understood. The Old Testament, it's progressive revelation. It's progressive teaching as you move from Genesis to Revelation. So the Old Testament saints, they knew about the Spirit of God. You got that in your, in your call to worship today? They knew about the Spirit of God. They understood something about the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God operated a little bit differently. The Spirit of God, he did not come in permanently to dwell in Old Testament saints. He came upon them, and then he would leave them. This is why David prayed, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. But now Jesus is saying something new is coming. The Spirit of God is coming. He's going to leave the most holy of holies. The curtain is going to be ripped. He's going to dwell in a new temple. And he's going to dwell in the hearts of those who have put their faith in me. That's going to be his dwelling place. And he won't leave. See, he once dwelt on Mount Sinai and flashes of lightning and thunder resonated and quaked the mountain. And then he began to dwell in the tabernacle as they moved through the desert and the Shekinah glory of God. And then he moved in to the temple of, of Solomon in Israel and then the temple of Herod in Jerusalem. And now he dwells in us. The same power that shook the mountain Shake your heart. Shake the sin out of it and replace it with godly, righteous affections. And he would come into the hearts of faith, the, the way that the glory of God came into the temple of old and the hand of God at the death of Christ, going to rip that curtain and God the Spirit is going to come into our hearts of those who believe in him. 
So when the spirit of truth comes, listen, can you imagine being a disciple? Come on, you gotta, you gotta remember, if you're, if you're a student of God's word and you read the gospels, now watch this, look at me for a second. Don't you remember all the times they did not get it? They just didn't grasp it. So here's Jesus saying, when the spirit of truth comes, you've got to think they're confused but thrilled. They're thrilled at the foretelling of Christ that he's giving to them in that upper room. And here's the spirit of truth. He goes by a lot of titles, by the way. The Holy Spirit has a lot of titles. He didn't call him the one spirit you find in Ephesians 4 or the spirit of glory in 1 Peter 4. Or the spirit of grace in Hebrews 10. It's not any of the seven titles that Isaiah gives them. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon them. The spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He calls him the spirit of truth. You know what he's doing? Jesus is introducing the disciples and he's introducing us to who the Holy Spirit is. When the spirit of truth comes, it's a title about his character. He's absolutely honest. He's impeccable. There is no ability in the spirit of God to speak wrongly. He cannot deceive. He cannot be devious. He cannot exaggerate. Everything the spirit of God does and everything he says is true to his character, true to his holiness, and true to the word of God. Listen, I've had some crazy, crazy things in the 22 years of ministry that I've been in. I mean crazy. I've had people tell me that God told them in the spirit to do this and to do that. And I'm going, are you even sane? Because the spirit of God can't say that. He cannot go against his character. He can only speak what is true to who he is. He's the spirit of truth. He's the agency that has inspired and written the scriptures through through the biblical writers. Did you know that the Old Testament, the spirit of God moved through writers to pen those words? And Jesus is saying, and you're going to hear it in a minute, there's more writing to happen. There's the New Testament and the spirit of truth is coming. And now we get to watch them in action. Here we go. You ready? Two points that I'm going to give you today. That was my preamble. That was my intro. Here's the first one. You ready? He guides us. He, the Spirit of God, he guides us into the truth of God's word. Now look at verse 12. Let's be students of God's word. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Look what Jesus says. I I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, I want you to see something, because this is really critically important, at least to me. I still have, quote, many things, unquote. It doesn't mean I still have a whole lot of new things. It's clarification. Many things, I have a lot of clarification on what I've already taught you. But you're not able to bear it yet. See, there are those who believe... They're all around us. They're all around this world. We exported it from America. But they're all over in Africa. They're in India. They're everywhere. There are those who believe that the Holy Spirit is still giving brand new revelation of knowledge today that is on equal par with the Word of God. 
This is nothing new. They were doing it in the days of Christ. The Pharisees were and the scribes. They had their oral traditions. They were on the par of the holy word of God. There's nothing new with what's happening today. But they believe that the, word of God, that the spirit of God is still giving new revelation, still giving new authority, little addendums and part threes and fours to the Bible. But he's not doing that. He's clarifying, he's amplifying what he has already said, what he has already written in the word of God. We've got it all. We've got everything we need in the pages of scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now watch what I'm going to tell you. But there was the explanation of the truth that had already been communicated, now watch this, and for the apostles, for the, for the 11 that are right then and there in that upper room, for Paul who is to come, there is truth that is going to complete the New Testament. The Old Testament's done. The New Testament hadn't even been started yet. They're in the upper room. Not even the first book of the New Testament's been written. There's more truth to compile, but it's all going to be explanatory of what they've already heard. Now, how kind is Jesus to know that they couldn't handle the truth and to know what we can handle, when we can handle it? I mean, the disciples, they couldn't yet bear the full reality of redemption. They couldn't fathom. They couldn't get their mind around Jesus dying on the cross. No, Jesus, Peter says, that's not what you're going to do. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You're talking like the devil. They couldn't yet grasp that God is going to save the Jew and the Gentile alike. And that he came to free us from sin, not from Rome. They couldn't get that yet. They couldn't bear it. The Spirit of God today, even with us, Christian brother and sister, he's so gentle. He's so wise. He knows what truth to give us when we need it. He knows exactly what you need, Christian. He knows what you can handle at this point in your life. He knows how to be faithful to lead you to the truth that you need at the precise time that you need it, helping you understand it, clarifying it as you study the Word of God. Listen, when you're young in your faith, when you're young in your faith, you don't need deep doctrine. You need assurance of God's love and faithfulness. When you're grieving from loss in your life, you don't need songs of happiness and joy. You need the psalms of lament. You need to understand that God collects your tears in the bottle. He writes them in his scroll. But when you're mature in Christ, you don't need a steady diet of spiritual milk you need the meat, you need the potatoes of faith and truth. And the Holy Spirit knows all of this. He customizes the delivery of truth and he leads each of us into that truth. He moves inside of us so that, he, so that we can grow in Christ. Now look at verse 13 again. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Friends, God has not left us with a set of complicated directions called the Bible and told us to follow it. He didn't do this. He said, here, here's how I can put everything in here. Let's just go do it. 
I mean, if that's how you think that God has worked, no wonder you're struggling here. No wonder you're struggling staying consistent in the Word of God and knowing it and studying it and being approved. That's not what God has done. He didn't just hand this to you. He didn't hand it to me and say, go do it. He left us with a guide who personally helps us navigate the dangers of this world, who opens up the Word of God, illuminates it. In other words, turns the light on in our minds so that we can understand it, so that we can find our way to Christ and we can get deeper in our relationship with Him. This is what the Spirit of God does. He's our guide. He's the great sanctifier. He reveals truth to us and makes us more like Christ and helps us to walk in that truth. Does that mean then, does that mean that all truth exists, that exists in our universe, is in this Bible? I mean, is that what he means? He will guide you into all the truth? Like the temperature of solar flashes on the sun or instructions to split atoms? How do you do it? Or the process of neurotransmission in your spinal cord. I mean, come on, is all of that written in the Bible? That's not what it means. He said all the truth, the definite article. That means there's a particular truth that is captured in the word of God. And what that truth is, is this. It's everything necessary for salvation. Everything you need to become like Christ. And it's been written for us as the story of God's redemption so that we could become like Jesus what we call the Bible. Does that make sense? Listen, you're going to have people say this to you. Oh, so everything's written in the Word of God. Everything's answered by the Word of God. Well, what about the sun stood still? Bad science. It's what led the Catholic Church astray. Listen, all the truth that Jesus says is everything you know, everything you need to become more like Christ, to get saved. Well, I'm not a big fan of Schofield, but he's got a few good statements that I think are helpful, and he said this, Christ's pre-authentication of the New Testament scriptures, that's what this verse is. Now, I'm going to explain that because some of you are like, I am checking out of this sermon. Hold on, I'm going to explain this to you because it's going to make sense. Schofield said this verse is the pre-authentication of the New Testament scriptures. Here's what he means. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, some who are going to write portions of the New Testament. He's got Peter in there. He's got John in there. In that upper room, he's speaking to them, and some of them are going to write some of the books of the New Testament. And he's got the whole of the New Testament in mind here. Again, what Schofield called the historical, doctrinal, and prophetic. And this is what I mean, and this is super simple. So if you're thinking this is complicated, listen, I trust me, it's not. Let me explain it. The Holy Spirit, look what he says, look what Jesus says, will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now look at me. That just means the Holy Spirit is going to bring to mind what I am saying, what I am doing. This is what Jesus says. The Spirit of God is going to lead some of you who are going to write about me. He's going to lead you to take my words and my actions and put them into written form. 
And look what he says. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's a word that means explain it to you. These are the epistles of the New Testament. You've got the Gospels. He's going to declare what I've done and what I've said. Now he's going to explain it to you. These are the epistles that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote, that others wrote. And then there's a third category. He's going to declare to you the things that are, that are to come. These are the foretelling. These are the prophetic parts of the New Testament, particularly revelation so you've got all three here you've got the historical the gospels you've got the doctrinal the epistles and you've got the prophetic revelation this is what jesus is saying we're about to write the new testament and the spirit of god is going to do it and he is a faithful guide to bring it about but he's not declaring today and i really want you to hear this He's not continually declaring new revelations of God as if he's adding to the scriptures or rewriting it. It's complete. This is it. Listen, this is it. It's infallible. It is inspired as the Spirit of God spoke like the wind fills the sails of a ship. The Spirit of God spoke the Word of God into existence through those who wrote it. The Word of God is amazing. And he is guiding us today into all the truth as we study and meditate on the scriptures. Now, I'm going to get really practical. But before I do that, look up here for a second. Let me remind you what I've just said. The Spirit of God is God. He's God and he has a personality. He's very, very interested in truth. He's very, very interested in the word of God and he wrote the Old Testament and he wrote the New Testament and Jesus is saying to his disciples here and he's speaking to us, the spirit of God not only will write it, he will guide Christians in every generation into it and he'll bring the truth of the word of God that is living and active right into your mind and into your heart. Remember that check? Thousand dollar check sitting on your dresser week after week, month after month, entirely useless piece of paper until you deposit it. The Spirit of God's job is to deposit that check and illuminate the truth to help you live like Christ. So how do you get practical? Well, let me ask you this. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. And if this has not happened to you yet, believe, trust me, it's going to happen. So I hope you listen. Have you ever come to a crossroads in life where you just don't know where to go? God, I need your will. I'm praying, I'm asking for it, but there's a fog and I can't even see the markers. Which turn do I take or do I go straight? Or have you ever desperately needed to understand a truth of God that you just seem unable to grasp? We have a guide. He is the Holy Spirit. It is his aim to lead us through the fog. It is his aim to lead us into his will and to level the ground for our feet. Because God does not hide his will from his children. That's a misunderstanding. God declares his will. God wants you to know his will. 
He wants you to be like Christ. He wants you to be able to make the right decisions that will unfold his purposes in your life. He's not out there rubbing his hands going, I'm going to hide that from them for another few years. That's not your God. He reveals it. He blows away the fog. Because God is the revealer of truth so that you can know him more and make him known. God is absolutely sovereign over every single life event. And he uses every one of them, Christian brother and sister, to shape you. Even those horrible, painful ones that you hate, you hope you never get again. So how can we endure sudden bad news? Which is unavoidable in life. If we're not convinced that God is both sovereign and good in all his dealings with us. How can we overcome temptation if you're not aware of the spiritual battle and confident in the promises of God to deliver you from evil? That's our guide. That's our Holy Spirit. He is impeccably perfect in his role and he knows what you need. Not information. Listen, it is not information. It is transformation. And that's always his goal. Now watch this. He is the great counselor. He always knows what to say to your heart, what to help you see. We walk with Christ and the Holy Spirit increases our love for other people, even difficult people. That filthy tongue that was spewing such toxic junk out of our hearts, that filthy tongue, that complaining or gossiping tongue. It was so untamable. The very best of our efforts cannot tame it. Well, he, he begins to tame it, the Holy Spirit does, and not only tame it, but transform it so that it speaks blessings rather than cursings. He brings that verse of comfort and insight exactly at the time you need it. Haven't you had that? Haven't you ever had that song or that verse of scripture that has come to you in the precise moment of your need? Your heart just turns vertical and go, God, that was from you. Thank you. That is the Holy Spirit. He opens the depths of scripture. He floods your mind with sin-killing, powerful truth. That's our Holy Spirit. And he is amazing. And that's the first ghost sighting we see as he is in action. But I'm going to give you one more. We're going to be a little quicker. He glorifies Christ through us. That's the second point. He glorifies Christ through us. Now, some of you, this is what I do when I'm listening to sermons. So I'm kind of imagining that sometimes you do this too. I mean, I'm like in and out, aware of what the person's saying and then kind of drifting, right? I mean, you're probably still thinking of the $1,000 check. I hope he was serious about that. Because my bank's open all weekend. Listen, focus on what I'm about to tell you. Here's what Jesus says. He will glorify me. Did you hear that? Well, first of all, what on earth does that mean? He will glorify me. Can I just reduce it to so simply mean this? He will make me famous. Don't you want to do that? Come on, don't you want to make Jesus famous? That's what the Spirit of God wants to do. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now listen, this is a near perfect, it's a little partial, but it's near perfect definition. Now watch this, of what effective biblical counseling is. 
Listen, you want to be a counselor? Uh, Pastor Tim, I don't really want to sit in, I'm not asking if you want to sit in an office and counsel people all day. You might. But do you want to be somebody who is a friend, whose words can unlock the pain and the struggle in your friend and move them to help and to healing? Listen, if you want to be that, then you've got to learn to be a counselor like this counselor. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. Look at verse 7, John 16, verse 7. He's called the helper, or in some translations, the counselor. You want to know what good, effective biblical counseling is? Look at it again at verse 14. Here it is. I'm going to define it for you. It's very simple. He will glorify me. It starts there. If your counseling doesn't glorify Christ, get out of the business. Best thing you could do is just stop talking. You want to be an effective biblical counselor? You will glorify Christ. And here's how you do it. For, here's your little key word, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You want to be a counselor? That's what you do. You glorify Christ. The way you do that is you take what is Christ and you declare it to people. You give it to people. You share it to people. You teach it to people. You explain it to people. You walk them into that truth of what is Christ. Well, what is Christ? Listen, the whole context is this. You take what is mine. You take the word of God. You take scriptural truth and you declare it. And you will bring glorified glory rather to Jesus. You will set people free. That's what effective counseling is. It's got to exist in the context of relationship, and it's got to bring the person of Christ to the sufferer. you got to bring his words to the struggler. Now, did you hear how I phrased that? It must bring Jesus to the sufferer by declaring the truth of who Christ is through the word of God. That's what counseling is. If you want to be a true help for the struggler, listen, you've got to give more than empty hope and shallow answers. You've got to take them to Christ through the word of God, which contains all the truth. And counsel, divorce from Christ, listen, is powerless. And divorce from his word is pointless. It's either powerless or pointless. It's not glorifying Christ by taking his, what is his, and declaring it to the person. And this is precisely what the Holy Ghost, the counselor of God, does. Why would we do anything differently? Like we've invented a better way to do counseling. There is no better way to do counseling. Listen, you glorify Christ and you take what is his and you bring it to people. And how exciting it is that Christians all over the world, friends, are waking up to this truth. And how timely it is as we've begun a Christ-centered counseling ministry downtown. This is our aim. This is what we're about. Now watch this as I start to bring this to a close. The aim of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus and Christ. And Jesus tells us how he does it. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It is so clear. He takes what is Christ, he takes the word of God, all the truth, and declares it to us. He wants to make Jesus famous. And the way he does this is getting the gospel inside our hearts. 
He teaches us all the truth because it replaces wrong desires with brand new right desires so that we don't want to take that drug. So we can say no to pornography. We can say no to temptation that used to overwhelm us. Listen, aren't you tired of trying to knuckle down and by sheer effort alone defeat something in your life? I mean, it's temporary at best. Why even struggle when the Spirit of God says, I'll replace them. I'll give you brand new desires. I'll put it in there because I'm going to take what is Christ and declare it to you and get the gospel inside your heart. You can have a new motivation to live by. Those broken shackles bring glory to Christ, proving to the world the power of the cross. He declares to us what is Christ so that it can produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And watch, now listen, this is really important, so that the whole world can see the character of Jesus. Don't you know that? That when the Spirit of God is taking what is Christ and declaring it to you and putting this inside of you and producing transformation, you're showing the world what Christ looks like through your life. This is why you walk with the Spirit. This is why we keep in step with Him. He's doing all of this magnificent transformational work for his truth. His word. Listen, if you're walking out of here today without a better understanding and appreciation and love and determination for the word of God, I have failed in this sermon. And this whole passage is about the word of God. This whole passage is about the Spirit of God taking what is Christ, His Word, and declaring it to you so that you can live with power and actually defeat sin and show the world Jesus and make Him famous. All right, we're about to close, but let me get this truth right down to where you live. If you haven't heard anything yet, let me at least pull you into this part. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this passage, in that upper room, and he's telling them that the Holy Spirit has more writing to do. He wasn't finished with the Old Testament. It's not complete. The story of God's redemption's got a whole other testament to it, and he's going to use some of you to write it. And it will be about Jesus and the redemption that he will accomplish on the cross for the salvation of sinners. And that salvation continues with the ongoing transformation of God's people. Listen, God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to transform you. He wants us to be like Christ, not just saved sinners. He wants us to be the saved saints. And the one who applies the power of the gospel is God, the Holy Spirit. He's our trustworthy guide. He's going to declare the words of Christ and he's going to help you understand the truth that can change your life. So Christian, every single time you open the word of God by faith, you're about to get a ghost sighting. You're about to hear the Spirit of God guide you into the truth. Perk open your ears. Get your eyes open. Anticipate. Because God the Spirit is about to speak to you His Word. And He's going to do a work of transformation every single 
time. So you approach the living word that is made alive by the Spirit with confidence, with anticipation, declaring it to those around you, making Christ famous, listening to it from those who teach you. And watch your true and faithful guide open up its meaning to you bit by bit, transforming you and using you to bring glory to Jesus Christ. That's the entire aim of the Holy Spirit. 